Welcome to the Polite Conversations podcast, where every episode is focused on civility, decorum, and good manners. And I'm your lovable, non-controversial host, Ina. If you know me, you know I definitely don't like to ruffle any feathers at all. This is part two of the previous episode. If you haven't heard part one yet, you should definitely go back and check that out first. And as always, if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting via patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. It's listeners like you that help this show survive and thrive. Well, you brought up the great replacement theory. Do you want to Mm. talk about Jeffrey Miller? Yeah, let's go back (laughs) to old Jeff. (laughs) So... Another guy who believes the Great Replacement Theory. <laughs> He's a big fan of um, this mold bug guy, this neo-reactionary, dark enlightenment mm. dude. Yeah. So, I suppose Jeffrey Miller is, like, an example of... I mean, he does, like, hilariously bad, funny shit, like the ovulating strippers and the evolutionary psychology, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> then there's also, like, the very... The, when you learn more about him, there's very a fashy. much darker, yeah. very fascist, very race science yeah. um, approving <laughs> Jeffrey Miller there as well. And he's not, like, hiding it. He has, like, a no. million <laughs> tweets about recommending Moldbug, who's, like, <laughs> you know, a pioneer of this neo-reactionary movement, which Wikipedia defines as an anti-democratic... Anti egalitarian, <laughs> uh, reactionary political movement. And it's also described by journalists as a neo fascist. And mm. Moldbug is also an Anders Breivik apologist and a self described defender of white nationalism. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I think Jeffrey most recently <laughs> tweeted that, like, he, he agrees with about 70% of what he says. <laughs> Yeah, what's the part he disagrees with? <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder. Yeah, isn't there also, I mean, I haven't really, I don't know that much about Moldbug, or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever he's called. But isn't it, there's also like the biological determinist angle to his stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't it's delved like, deeply into his content, yeah. but I can see why that would be appealing to these <laughs> science bros. Like, yeah, we need a hereditary monarchy because yeah. there are, you know, there's the high IQ gods <laughs> with the superior DNA. <laughs> yeah. You should be the philosopher kings, etc. And he's so worried about, like, birth rates, Jeffrey Miller, but like, I think he has <laughs> an older kid and then now he's just had a kid with the other yeah. eugenics person. <laughs> And that's just two. That's not enough. <laughs> if you're really uh, wanting to reproduce white babies, you're not really working very hard. Well, he's getting up there, so... Yeah. <laughs> he's doing the best he can, okay? <laughs> Give him a break. I don't know. I feel like he could have tried a little earlier. <laughs> 
Well, that's why he's so mad at women. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. His students wouldn't sleep with him. Oh God. <laughs> Is there a thing about that? Is there a story about that or something? Uh, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> oh. I've heard things. I'll say that much. Okay. <laughs> that is unsurprising. But... Allegedly. Mm. <laughs> I'm not getting sued today. <laughs> <laughs> very, very creepy guy. And uh, I, I ended up in a place listening to uh, his wife on a podcast. His yeah, wife, yep. who is like a very big fan of eugenics and tries to define everything as eugenics. Basically, I think she's doing the thing of, well, if, if everything is eugenics, then how is eugenics bad? Like dating is eugenics. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and so she had this essay and I guess the podcast episode was titled after that. It's called Uncanny Vulvas. <laughs> like, after Uncanny Valley. <laughs> Another insane evolutionary psychologist. Why are there so many? <laughs> yeah, and they found each other. Such a sweet uh, love story. He was talking about <laughs> it on the podcast I was listening to today. He's like, well, you know, we met each other uh, in work context, but, you know, how else, uh, apart from OK Cupid, would... Uh, Two Darwinist libertarian oh, agnostics <laughs> with this weird set of alt centrist <laughs> views who like this and that type of sex meet each other. <laughs> like, <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> this and that type of sex. And um, what does Darwinist mean in this context exactly? Uh, probably adaptationist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even though that is not what Darwin advocated for at all, because mm. <laughs> he was, give him credit, he knew that not everything was an adaptation. <laughs> not everything could be explained <laughs> with natural selection. Right, right. Yeah, so like Darwinism was a thing that has, you know, has been attributed to Darwin, like he didn't. Yeah, yeah. Attribute the, these ideas to himself. Yeah, that he had many <laughs> yeah. problematic ideas yeah, yes. himself. Not so. Yeah. yeah, he had other problems. Yeah, <laughs> but Darwinism, unfortunately for him, is not his fault necessarily. Right, right, right. <laughs> People got excited with the natural selection bit. <laughs> really ran with it. Ignored the other interesting things <laughs> about evolution. <laughs> right, right. You know what gets me so much every time is this idea that they, so many of them peddle that women are like, you know, these calculating, sneaky, like Peterson had a clip where it was like, human women are sneaky because you can't tell when they're ovulating. <laughs> <laughs> What is that? Like, I can't particularly tell when I'm ovulating. <laughs> I'm not, like, being sneaky to myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that reminds me of, like, this thing Gad Sad wrote about briefly in, I think it was Psychology Today, where... They let about, him write in that? Gross. Yeah. <laughs> it were, like, the example of where, like... You know, evolutionary psychology would has correctly predicted uh, human behavior. 
you know, just based on theory. Mm. Because, you know, women, we expect them from an evolutionary point of view to be sneaky and deceptive. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, because, you know, they know who the baby belongs to, but, you know, the man can't. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, the baby will always be hers. At least half hers. You can never really be sure if it's, you know, if the man, like, if it's half his, <laughs> right? Wow. Because, you know, yeah, she was yeah. the one giving birth. Exactly. So we know that much. So, yeah, because so Eva's, like, predicts they're sneaky. So when uh, women were offered, yeah, a free paternity test in, you know, after they'd <laughs> given birth in the hospital, oh, God. most of them refused. Mm. <laughs> and this goes to show, like, how sneaky they are because <laughs> like oh my god they're trying to hide it <laughs> yeah not possible that they could just be exhausted and in excruciating pain after giving birth like <laughs> and like yeah what gad said like busting into like their you know hospital room and being like hey Here's a paternity test. She'd be like, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, can you imagine? I don't know who you are. (laughs) I I can just picture Gad's like coming in. (laughs) And then he then him getting angry at her. Yeah. She's like, you deceptive (laughs) harpy. (laughs) See, these are such like ancient stereotypes, right? There's Mm. like I don't know if you're very religious or not. Like, I don't want to offend no. you. <laughs> but they... no, I, I'm an atheist. <laughs> okay, okay. Just not an asshole. That's uh, good to know. <laughs> Me too. I mean, maybe I'm an asshole, but uh, not that kind of asshole. <laughs> I think a lot of people uh, think I'm an asshole, but I disagree. Yeah, no, I disagree. You're so funny. Okay, thank you. Oh, thank you. How can funny people be assholes? (laughs) (laughs) It's just not evolutionarily possible. (laughs) I don't know if that makes any sense. Well. (laughs) No, so what I was going to say, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, so these views about women, like they remind me of like almost like biblical or like, uh, you know, Quranic views of women, which is... Mm. ironic because Gad Sad was one of those new atheists, right? But he has these, like, very mm. ancient, like, understandings of gender roles. And, <laughs> and uh, as much as he hates Muslims and Islam, like, he sounds very much like uh, an Islamic conservative cleric sometimes. Yeah, that is... That's super interesting, because <laughs> I have noticed that, too. Like, there is a kind of... Not a religious aspect, but there's an overlap between, like, the religious kind of um, beliefs of society and social order (laughs) and kind of the kind of reactionary Evo psych um, view of social (laughs) orders and hierarchies and so on. Yeah, yeah. And just the way that they think about women, that Mm. women are these sneaky, deceptive, like, just... Like Adam and Eve, right? Mm. It's so much like that story that... Yeah. That reminds me of this um, passage from a book called Not in Our Genes uh, by Richard Lewontin and Stephen Rose and Leon Kamen, which gets to this point. 
If you don't mind, I could like just read yeah. the paragraph. So he says he's talking about the political nature of how biology is invoked or how like biology is invoked in like political, I guess, <laughs> arguments. Mm. <laughs> so he says, what is more biology or genetic inheritance is always invoked as an expression of inevitability. What is biological is given by nature and proved by science. There could be no argument with biology, for it is unchangeable. A position neatly exemplified in a television interview given by British Prime Minister for Social Services Patrick Jenkin in 1980 on Working Mothers. And the quote from Jenkin is, Quite frankly, I don't think mothers have the same right to work as fathers. If the Lord had intended us to have equal rights to go to work, he wouldn't have created men and women. <laughs> These are biological facts. Young children do depend on their mothers. And then back to Lewontin, he says, The use of the double legitimation of science and God is a bizarre but not uncommon feature of the new right ideology, the claim to a hotline to the deepest sources of authority about human nature. So yeah, kind of like, it's interesting, like, that would be, that was written way back in like the early 80s. And we still see this. It could be Peterson himself saying that. It yeah, could, exactly. It could just, Peterson could have said that today. Yeah. And there's still this kind of like the right wing use of like or invoking biology to justify <laughs> you know, their you know preferred social order, mm -hmm. their view of what women should do, what men should do, etc. So yeah, I think that's it's super interesting how not much has changed. <laughs> the more educated a woman gets, the worse her marriage prospects, because the more sophisticated women are, the more they insist on a high-status male. And therefore, as I get more educated as a woman, there are just fewer men who are as educated or more than me, and therefore I'm doomed to a life of solitude. Yeah, like, I mean, in preparation for our chat, I was reading this article and was reading about the nuances between craniotomy or craniology. Which one is it? Oh, craniology, yes. Oh, craniology, yeah. The measurement of the cranium. Yes. yes, and phrenology. So now I actually kind of understand the differences between, I think, craniology was like measuring the volume. Yes. <laughs> uh, that could be contained within a skull. And phrenology was just like the bumps and things. Yeah. <laughs> so those were like, you know, quote unquote sciences, right? And they were used to justify uh, finding women inferior. And the way that like they kept, like, whenever it would prove them wrong, they would find a way to, like, still make women inferior. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it just reminds me of, like, how women and the whole debate around trans rights is treated right now and how, like, science and biology is invoked to mm. keep those groups suppressed. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It's more biological determinism. Right. And, like, it's funny. Well, it's not funny. But it's interesting how, like, when transphobes, like, they appeal to biology and, like, they reduce <laughs> an individual down to their biology, it has this dehumanizing effect, even for cis people. Because, mm -hmm. like, I'm sure we've all seen examples of when like 
turfs like mocking a a like calling a woman who's actually a cis a man at, because they they think she's a man mm-hmm. because she has like a square jaw or something or something like not stereotypically uh, how a woman should look. <laughs> right, right. Or when they say that, you know, women uh, should be able to have babies or women have uteruses and there's lots of cis women that are, you know, unable to have babies or don't have a uterus and, mm. you know? Yeah. So then they invoke kind of like theological arguments. <laughs> yeah, like... and then like so much of women's rights, like we fought for uh, women not being reduced to just like baby making uh, machines, but mm. now you see those arguments resurfacing with turfs reducing women yeah. to like, oh, women should be able to make babies, and it's like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we get past this like decades ago? That's not what should define a woman. No. Mm, it is sad and scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going on everywhere, but especially in the UK, it yeah. seems. Yeah, it seems very intense. Um, God. That's, again, more biological determinism. Yeah. Not, yeah, not necessarily Evo Psych. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But. Yeah, but using yeah, science with. or quote unquote science, you know, to mm. justify uh, oppressing people or being yeah. bigoted towards people, it just seems like an extension of that. Like, there's a reason why people call Quillette phrenology mag, right? Like, they literally <laughs> have published stuff in defense of craniology. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, worse than that, <laughs> in defense of, like, straight-up uh, racist pseudoscience of, like, yeah, black people yeah. evolved to be lower intelligence than white people yeah. because the races are real, distinct categories, biological categories of humans, which is not true. Yeah. <laughs> and that there's been, like, evolutionary action on, yeah, I would say, like, white people to, like, in cold winters, yes. <laughs> they would gain higher IQ <laughs> DNA. So funny. I mean, it would be just funny if it wasn't so dangerous and so harmful. Mm. Yeah. But- and it is... Yeah, <laughs> frightening because you know, you'd think that this stuff should have gone away. <laughs> it's still there. Yeah, and then their obsession with like menstrual cycles and like just to, <laughs> to a really fucking creepy degree. Eric Weinstein out there <laughs> tweeting about. Uh, so NPR <laughs> tweeted, I think it was like in 2019. On average, people who menstruate spend an estimated $150 million a year just on the sales tax for tampons and pads. Now there's a push to outlaw the so-called tampon tax, and then Eric gets mad. So, <laughs> quote-unquote, women is over? Because they said, oh, yeah, I remember people that. who menstruate. I miss women. They used to send us into the store to buy these supplies, you know, just to test us. It was what? fun. <laughs> women were awesome. I miss them at NPR. I assume by being a man who specifically appreciates women, brackets, who menstruate. 
Oh, God. I've now violated Twitter's terms of service. <laughs> just, why are they so weird? Like, just so, be weird. Why are they so fucking weird? Why, why are you being weird about it? What kind of man talks about how much he appreciates women who menstruate? Who, who even appreciates well, like, he's an specifically that? It's so weird. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I mean, when I think of my love for women, uh, <laughs> menstruation is, I don't know, it's not on the top of the list. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man, it's not on the top of my list either. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> I would never be like, and I appreciate menstruating so much. It is so lovely. No, like, <laughs> I appreciate that it allowed me to have a baby, but uh, otherwise I don't appreciate it very much at all on a day-to-day. <laughs> but Eric Weinstein, on the other hand, really yeah. appreciates women who menstruate. <laughs> and then <laughs> he tweeted about women... <laughs> Breasts. He's like, there are about 5,000 mammalian species. We're the only one with permanently swollen breasts. <laughs> <laughs> breasts being sexy is essential to being human. Just think about that for a second. I wouldn't say it's essential. <laughs> I don't know, maybe Surely. I'm more of an ass guy. I don't know. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> if you don't find breasts sexy, you're just not human, basically. Because it's <laughs> essential. Yeah, very weird Evo psych <laughs> going on there. Don't know how to... Uh, <laughs> don't even know what to think about that. And Brett Weinstein, <laughs> I think he also chimed in. Maybe not at that exact point, but he was also like, ah, I love female breasts. <laughs> and it's like, cool, man. <laughs> These guys are like guys that you would just walk past and not like want to be anywhere near because they're such fucking creeps. <laughs> tweeted this link to this study as if he owned the wokes because they got so mad like when he said we don't know if men and women can work together because you know if they women get sexually harassed then they're hypocrites because they wear lipstick and high heels and he thought this was like a big own <laughs> um <and> so this study <laughs> says um <laughs> Let's see, which part should I read? In the present research, we investigate whether female red ornamentation in non-human primates has a human analog, whereby women use a behavioral display of red to signal their sexual interest to men. And then in the conclusions, um, we have... These results establish a provocative parallel between women and non-human female primates in red signal coloration in the mating game. This research shows, for the first time, a functional use of color in women's sexual self-presentation and highlights the need to extend research on color beyond physics, physiology, and preference to psychological functioning. Red means open for business. 
<laughs> in red light districts. And red is the most common color of lipstick and rouge, seen mm. by some scholars as a way to mimic natural processes of sexual excitation. Yeah, so it's like, uh, you know how baboons have red bums? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that on women's faces. <laughs> okay, so, I mean... <laughs> Lipstick, I mean, okay, red is the most common color of lipstick. I don't even know if that's true. That might have been true in the 80s, <laughs> but now they have, like, hundreds of colors, and people usually, for day-to-day -day wear, are wearing, like, more subtle shades. Yeah, that's not true. Red, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think red is, yeah, red lipstick is, like, out of fashion now, right? I mean... Yeah, I mean, in some contexts, maybe okay, but yeah. it is kind of 80s, yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't just wear red lipstick to work, usually. At least not today. No, I mean, it's not like, something I've not. seen. <laughs> I don't see it often, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't see it you. often, so... Yeah. I like, yeah, I like how, you know... Evo Psych is kind of stuck in, like, the 1950s. <laughs> Absolutely. Early 1960s, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mad Men. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. In their minds, they're just lamenting the fact that it's not that era anymore where they can't slap, you know, their secretary <laughs> on the ass and say, you know, hey, nice, sexy red lipstick or... <laughs> Come home late and, like, ignore their wife and kids and just yep. drink. <laughs> their and wife Jerry Coyne on. Oh, yeah. is also on this uh, bandwagon now, apparently before he wasn't as much, but... yeah. Now How he's been the mighty have fallen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he always kind of sucked, eh? Yes. But, um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I didn't see that till later, but uh, you know, I will. You you may have heard of my new atheist phase. Apologies to <laughs> I, everyone. We all had one. We all had. Okay. I had one. I used to be a Sam Harris fan as well. Oh no, me too. Okay. <laughs> so at least you won't judge me for that. But no. <laughs> yeah. So Jerry Coy, you know, defended it and posted this link to this Aereo, which is like a dollar store Quillette now. The, an article from there, how like men like to have sex with strangers and women don't. And it's like, ah, uh, I mean, you can't make such a broad statement because, like, have you ever been to a university campus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it strikes me as an unjustified conclusion. But like, obviously, if someone's going to yeah. walk around with a clipboard and be like, hey, you want to get into bed <laughs> with me? Like, people will be like, women will be like, No. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's reflective of reality or if that... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's also, like, not true for men as well in, like, general. Like, I'm sure, like, in surveyed men will say, like, yeah, I'd love to, love to sleep with a stranger. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, in reality, very, I think very few men actually, you know, actually getting that much pussy, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> and because, you know, 
you have ideas of what you want, but then, like, most people are just monogamous and want to be in one relationship. And, like, and that's... Because hmm. I think there is, like, a kind of a cultural pressure that men should be more, like, promiscuous mm-hmm. and should be just slaying pussy. <laughs> but, <laughs> Such scientific terms. <laughs> but, and, you know, I'm sure that's definitely true for some men. Right. And certain periods of their lives, right? Yeah. Like not, and, uh, yeah, that's true as well. Yeah. Like, everyone kind of goes through... <laughs> experimental stages of like i know a lot of men go through like a sad pua stage pickup artist stage (laughs) oh really i didn't know that was as common (laughs) like trying to well and then you know they i think a lot of men also just drop it when they find someone they like like right right there is i think a lot of just normal monogamy which is being kind of discounted here and mm. you can't really trust <laughs> what men say <laughs> in a survey <laughs> <laughs> or you know these kinds of very intimate details people are not always the most honest about mm. and just the way in which that data is gathered can probably have like an impact on the results right yeah exactly so it's not yeah. going to seem very natural or organic when someone comes up to you and asks you if you're going <laughs> to uh, yeah. sleep with a stranger. And, I, or... and that's the thing as well. Like, I'm sure men will be like, hell yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Maybe they might in, just want to But say maybe that. in yeah. like, reality, like, if a woman was to like just come up to them and start aggressively like hitting on them, they might feel like, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know who does slay a lot of pussy? That uh, is uh, Jerry Coins Flies. Oh, um, I thought you were going to say Jeffrey Miller. <laughs> I don't know. I, God, I don't even want to think about that. But I would much rather think about the flies that uh, Jerry Jerry Coyne was talking about. Because he says, This, of course, drives with the behavior of many animals. In my flies, for example, males will court almost any female, even wooing pieces of dust or small blobs of wax. <laughs> While females repeatedly reject males. Which is quite surprising from him because you'd think as, like, cause he's like a proper evolutionary biologist, right? Right, but and he's also reactionary. That's so. true. <laughs> like, <laughs> he knows that there are examples of animals which are, you know, are, you know aren't act behaving like his flies that are you know, more monogamous, right? <laughs> and they're also, I guess, more phylogenetically closely related to us than <laughs> the flies. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of like cherry-picking going on there, I think. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he does continue and say it's true of primates in general and of many animal species, but, uh, yeah. Well... well. It's a weird thing to even bring up. Like, why are you bringing up your flies wooing blobs of wax and dust when it it comes to discussing whether Evo Psych is real or not? Like, what bearing do your flies have on this? Well, it's because uh, men woo women with blobs of wax and dust. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) What is it with all of them? (laughs) 
I have not experienced this kind of wooing. Maybe I am missing out. But, uh, yeah, no, never. How do you think I got married? Jesus. Oh, yeah, with uh, blobs of wax. Uh, Did you send her a bouquet of... uh, Blobs of wax. Yeah, my belly button lint. Oh, God. <laughs> Wonderful. Mrs. Evo Sight. Uh, to, to build the nest with them. <laughs> she, she's a lucky lady. <laughs> I'm going to stop now. Make her hear that part. <laughs> no, hopefully she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah. What else? Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about in particular? Not really. I think we've covered everything. Yeah, I think we've had a great time. (laughs) Yeah, those signals are so fascinating when we see them in our culture and and people get angry at them. Like you see some guy pull up in a Ferrari and you go, look at this fucking loser with his little dick. Right. You're like, maybe. Or... Maybe a guy with a shitload of money wants to let the world know because he likes to fuck. (laughs) Maybe you can just um, mention just one or two of these studies uh, just as a treat for people at the end. Oh, God. You have so many good ones listed. (laughs) There's starving men prefer women with big boobs. Okay, Uh, yes. So what I will say at the end, I am trying to... I'm currently failing, but I will one day hopefully succeed in starting a substack uh, to, you know, write about all of these topics I'm interested in. <laughs> Biology, evo-psych. There needs to be more anti-race science on substack, I yes, think. Cause it's yes. Because it is currently the race science um, hub. <laughs> yeah. But my first substack post, when I sell out, will, will be... <laughs> This one paper, which is quite recent and horrible, which was about borderline personality in women as a mating strategy. Whoa. And, oh, okay. And I'm going to read out that now. So the title is Borderline Personality Traits in Attractive Women and Wealthy Low Attractive Men Are Relatively Favored by the Opposite Sex. And that is in Personality and Individual Differences, published in, what, 2021. And basically, do you remember that old meme, you probably don't, of the hot crazy matrix? It was like mm. a guy talking like, women on a scale of like 1 to 10 are like hot, and then on a scale of 4 to 10 are a crazy. And we start the scale at 4 because there's no woman who's less than a 4 crazy out of 10. Oh, wow. No, I don't know. I don't know that. So they take this internet meme, this joke, seriously and investigate it from an evo-psych perspective and discover that it is apparently, you know, evolutionarily, I guess, supported. (laughs) But, and... I guess we'll have to wait and see when I do, or finally, if I fail, and never release it. But when I finally write this up, I'll explain how this paper is horrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But this is, for the listeners, a good example of just the insanity of (laughs) 
an exa- of Eversyke and an example of like the worst of the worst <laughs> of uh, kind of like sexism in Eversyke. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, can you say why men, uh, starving men, like big boobs? <laughs> it's because, uh, well, yeah, because apparently uh, starving men, when they see a woman with big boobs, that indicates that she has. I guess availability. Well, she has resources, and she has food, and like, <laughs> and so you know, this is obviously like I need to get in on that. It's more attractive. It would be you know better for the children, whatever. Because apparently, bigger breasts equals more milk, which I don't think that's true. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Wow, um, that seems. Some of it seems like teenagers came up with it, like like horny <laughs> teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> there's another great paper. One of my favorites is that the lesbian and bisexual women evolved specifically to give men threesomes. <laughs> like men, men wanted threesomes in like um, the olden days. And Why it's though? Selected what is for, the ev- evolutionary advantage of that? So I guess they would, I guess, have more children. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a great one. <laughs> of course, everything women do and evolve is just to serve at the pleasure of men. <laughs> and uh, they try to make some of these terms like very sciencey sounding uh, and less pervy sounding, as I mentioned earlier, intermammary mm. distance, and that was like the distance between yeah. <laughs> the set of boobs. <laughs> yes. Well, have you have you come across any other terms yes, I like have. this? Uh, well, one example, and I guess the only example I can think of on the spot right now is. This paper, which kept referring to underage teenage girls as nubile. Very creepy sounding. In the journal Evolutionary Psychology, does nubility indicate more than high reproductive value? Nubile primiparas' pregnancy outcomes in evolutionary perspective. <laughs> oh gosh, this sounds like some kind of pedo wrote it or something. It is uh, very pedo-ish, or yeah. just pedo. <laughs> but yeah, basically, apparently, and I'm pretty sure it's not true, but they say that teenage girls are more fertile than, you know, you're like a young adult woman, and that this is, you know, nubile characteristics, you know, indicate fertility. Hence why, I guess, Jeffrey Epstein (laughs) uh, evolved. (laughs) So that's a, that's a dark one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was not uh, so funny. That's that's not what you had in mind. (laughs) Oh dear. Um... Now, it's very hard to get government schools to go, okay, we're going to teach kids how to be just awesome polyamorous robot lovers, because that those skills will last. But if I had a voucher system and I had my own school franchise, that's, that's what I would teach. We'll close with one last one, my All favorite, right. of course. 
that oral sex is infidelity detection. <laughs> oh, yeah, we briefly discussed this. So good. Discussed it at the beginning, but I just love that one. <laughs> Men, you know, evolving to eat pussy to, you know, taste if another man has been in there. <laughs> Um, yeah, now I am no scientist, but I would think that a guy cannot tell <laughs> from the taste <laughs> of his cum, whether it's his or someone else's, uh, I would just assume that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I would assume that, is he doing this, like, you know, within, within, like, an hour of a... <laughs> I know, right? Of, or like, <laughs> he just comes her and he's like, get on the bed, I need to check something. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, I wonder how much of this episode is just going to be like... Oh, just <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Have you ever seen Evo Psych used with like progressive politics like someone using that political lens to like justify something uh, in an evo psych way that's or... a good question i can't really think of anything right now like maybe you know i suppose you could say like the whole when people say like i'm gay because i was born this way like is that possibly a kind of an appeal to biological determinism yeah like in a sense it is and i think but like they are born that way right it's not like yeah like it's not necessarily evolutionary because you know as well evolutionary psychologists have tried to explain how gay people evolved and have failed right. every time yeah didn't dawkins have a thing about i don't know milk bottles or some kind of weird shit <laughs> yep <laughs> that one. yeah but really it's just like a i think you know that's just not everything in biology needs to make sense and there's a lot of like room for behavior that is not as you would expect like to be adaptive or like you know beneficial from a <laughs> genetic point of view right right and to go back to Darwin again, um, you know, he had, he had some good points. So, <laughs> and maybe this is a good place to end, like, and just to reiterate that not everything in evolution has to be about perfection and about adaptation and fitness. He says, Nor ought we to marvel if all the controversies in nature be not, as far as we can judge, absolutely perfect. We need not marvel at the sting of the bee causing the bee's own death, at drones being produced in such vast numbers for one single act, and being then slaughtered by their own sterile sisters, at the astonishing waste of pollen by our own fir trees, at the instinctive hatred of the queen bee for her own fertile daughters, at the incnemodia feeding within the life bodies of caterpillars, and at other such cases. The wonder indeed is on the theory of natural selection that more cases of the want of absolute perfection have not been observed. So I guess the point is like humans are <laughs> special and not everything 
like that we do needs to you know make sense biologically right because there's so much developmental plasticity there's culture and again like (laughs) our biologies aren't perfect and you know if there are gay people not passing on their genes (laughs) assuming like there aren't gay genes but assuming that's the case that's fine because you know there's a lot of variation and just interesting things in evolution Mm -hmm. so I, i hope i answered that question well and kind of got the point across that mm-hmm. like we can't reduce everything down to biology and nor should we and mm-hmm. <laughs> we should be very suspicious of i guess cases where people are using appealing to biology to try and justify some sort of political agenda <laughs> Right, yeah. So you think the framework itself of Evo Psych is, like, a problem and not just, like, there are people bringing their bad politics to it? I think it's can be both things. The framework <laughs> is flawed because, as we see, there's, like, a lot of just papers that misunderstand how evolution actually works. And mm-hmm. that might not not necessarily be because the people doing it have bad politics. It could just be that they haven't been educated properly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that leads to the bad framework, which also quite conveniently reifies a certain kind of political outlook, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Right. Yeah, no, I think it does. And, you know, I think there are, like, I suppose going back to, like, the example of gay people and saying like born this way like i think that's a case of like appealing to biology that is you know an attempt to at like try to show that humans are you know that we're varied and special and not everything can fit into neat categories and that mm-hmm. this is kind of like trying to help people understand from a certain point of view that like yeah like <laughs> This is part of being human, right? Yeah. And, like, Stephen Jay Gould and others, like, they have pointed out, like, yeah, like, <laughs> critics of Evo Psych, they don't disagree that we evolved and that the brain evolved. Mm-hmm. But I think you'll find that, like, the critics, they believe that, like, <laughs> evolution has created humans to be, I guess, so much more interesting and weird than <laughs> what evolutionary psychologists kind of try to tell us, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> as like, as, yeah, as like Stephen Jay Gould like once said, when he's like kind of talking about his view of an evolutionary psychology, he was saying like, yeah, of course, our brains and our behaviors are the products of evolution, but like <laughs> not in the way that you think that it can be like reduced down to like these axiomatic traits and that each behavior is like this little thing that has been selected for by evolution but more that our brains are these like enormously complex computers and that like even a simple computer like a laptop can do really enormous and varied things (laughs) which it wasn't designed for but it can like it could perform additional roles which it wasn't necessarily designed for so to speak Mm-hmm. So the same thing with, like, the human brain, like, and I guess, you know, <laughs> the fact that we write poetry and whatever, it's like, 
these are the products of evolution, but they're not necessarily adaptations or like they have been mm-hmm. sexually selected for. These are <laughs> these are capacities which evolution has given us, which <laughs> evolution and <laughs> natural selection <laughs> no way intended to give us. Mm-hmm. And that you know that is fascinating in of itself. So I mean that was a very rambly, but well, yeah, I hope I was able to answer like your questions. Yeah, and, no, yeah. you were great. You were great. Oh, this you. was such a fun episode. I think people will love it and they will ask you to be on again. So <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Well maybe they'll hate me. We'll see. <laughs> I doubt it. But maybe some people will hate you and those will be the IDW hate listeners that I have. <laughs> I do have a few of those. That's fine as well. (laughs) (laughs) They hate you anyway. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure uh, to chat with you. Thank you so much. It's been really fun. (laughs) Do you have uh, anything you want to plug? Um, Well, aside from my Twitter account, which you should follow, and aside from my um, non-existent, as of yet, substack, (laughs) keep an eye out for that. (laughs) It will evolve. It will evolve. Uh, I guess I'll just plug, you know, learn some evolutionary biology. It's fun. It's, you know, it's cool. (laughs) It's interesting and... Not everything is an adaptation, so... (laughs) Cool, that's... I don't know. I don't have anything else to plug. (laughs) Just, yeah. All right. (laughs) It was time to do an upbeat, cheerful episode, so... Well, I hope I provided some of that. (laughs) Absolutely. I don't think I've laughed that hard in a very long time. (laughs) And I will see you out there in the Twitterverse. Yes, thank you. I'll see you out there. That makes sense. It's all just mating stuff. It's uh, mating and food. Yeah. You don't want to become somebody's dinner. You want to find dinner and you want to have sex. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support it, there are several ways you can do that. You can share it online, talk about what you just heard. You can leave a five-star review to help others find it too. And you can also subscribe via patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No E in mangoes. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter before it's uh, completely wrecked, you'll find me at Nice Mangoes. Again, no E in mangoes.